Or if you get through Timothy, Titus, Philemon, um, Hebrews, if you get into James, Peter, and John, you've gone a little bit too far. But this continuation of this letter that um, meant so much because people were thought of, and some of them were struggling. And so the author of Hebrews, as inspired by God, writes this letter to them, sometimes with reminders to not fall away, to not go backwards in your faith, to not abandon your faith. Don't go back to how you lived life before. And as we experienced a little bit last week, there is some, sometimes some harsh push that is given in the letter too. The first half of chapter 6, we're kind of turning the corner on that admonishment, on that critique that's offered with a sign of hope as well. And so as you hear these words, think of what it was like for those who were first reading them, first hearing them, that they were maybe a little discouraged, that some that they knew had fallen away from the faith, had left and said, you know what? I was at one time convinced of Jesus, I'm not anymore, and they were backing away. The discouragement that that would be. Times were tough, and in those tough times, the people received this letter. And so before we turn to Hebrews chapter 6, 1 through 12, knowing that we'll leave it on a little bit of a cliffhanger because next week, Pastor Josh Van Lewin will be back at North Holland, so we're going to let him uh, preach however he wants, and we'll pick up with Hebrews after the fact. So... Before we turn our attention to Hebrews 6, 1 through 12, let's pray. Jesus, help us to be convinced of better things with you. That as we hold on to words of encouragement, words that remind us who we are, that we are loved, that we are capable, help us to hold on to those that by your Holy Spirit we might be convinced of better things. Convince us now whether again or afresh or repeatedly, through your word. Convince us in our hearts by your Holy Spirit as we study your word together, as we open our ears and our hearts to what you have to say to us today. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 through 12. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God. Instruction about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the coming age, and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. To their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting Him to public disgrace. Land that drinks in the rain, often falling on it, and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is farmed, receives the blessing of God. But land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burned. Even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are convinced of better things. We are convinced of better things in your case, the things that have to do with salvation. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. 
We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end, so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We are convinced of better things in your case. Says the author of Hebrews, even with some harsh words out of concern for if you've fallen away, if you've, if you've drifted too far, it might be really, really hard to come back. We have in this, in this passage in Hebrews a contrast, if we think back to the parables of Jesus, a contrast between the prodigal son who seemed so far gone and yet was still brought back, and we have an idea of the parable of the four soils where some took root and was healthy, some was scattered on the path and was taken away, others sprouted up quickly in rocky soil, but it withered with no root. That seems to resonate here. And still others landed among thorns where it got choked out and the good news could not put root and flourish. And so it might seem a bit harsh, and yet the intent here, the intent is out of concern once again for those who might drift a little bit too far and fall away to say, hold on to faith and please be convinced of better things. Sometimes the ways in which we are kept safe can seem a little bit harsh. Um, we had a great youth softball league season this year, and I'm reminded of a particular moment this past Wednesday night. We, we won, by the way. We were several people short from Geneva, um, but Aaron's home church, 14th Street CRC, was here, so Aaron got to cheer for both sides, um, and in the end, I think we won by like one run, I think. Um, it, was, it was close. Uh, but there was this great moment um, where personally, and I, don't, I, don't, I can't always keep track of what's happening in baseball, I thought the inning was over, and Pearson Brower had rounded third, and it was like, okay, are people coming in? But then it was like, oh no, they didn't get the out. This inning's not over. The ball's getting thrown in. And Pearson was close to third base, but in that moment of, oh, are, are, are we done here? Um, he was close to it, but not on it. And Zach Van Dam playing third base coach, was right there and knew that the ball was still in play, the inning was not over, and that we needed to keep safe because one more run would go a long way. And so Zach kind of yelled for a second, like, get on base. And then there could be debate of those who were witnesses to this event of what exactly happened next. Because for some, it looked like Zach just put his hands up and said, get back on base. And yet, if that's all that happened, it would seem strange that, that it looked like Pearson got pushed. Um, kind of hard, actually. Out of some excitement. So, really, what I think happened, Zach just pushed Pearson back on base. Out of his own excitement as a coach, like, come on, no, no, no. If we have somebody on third base, we're in scoring position. And so, Zach pushed Pearson. Pearson kind of fell, stumbled back onto third base, and he was kept safe. Now, why would Zach push one of his own players? What kind of coach does that? Also, he's not here today, so this is even better. Um, I always independently ask for permission to use stories, and neither Pearson nor Zach are here. I don't know, that kind of makes it more fun. Um, why would the coach push his players, though? All coaches do that. 
because it's the, we want them to both to grow and also to be well, but also because Zach was convinced of better things, not only for Pearson, but for the whole team. He was convinced of better things. Zach was convinced that the inning was not over and needed Pearson to know that too. Zach was also convinced that Pearson was on third and was safe, and he needed Pearson to know that too. Zach was also convinced that there was a really good chance that if Pearson was safe on third and one of our team players got one more hit, that we would get one more run. He was convinced of better things for Pearson. Where Pearson was, was not safe. He was off base, because he didn't know everything else that was still in play. And personally, I didn't either. I just heard a lot of yelling, and then I saw Zach, and then I saw Pearson fall over. It was funny. <laughs> but to be convinced of better things is to say, wait, you're drifting away. This is a repeat of the first five chapters of Hebrews. It is a repetitious theme of saying, where you are, you're not safe. You've drifted away from where you're going to be best. And so we need to make sure that you are where you need to be. Not because you're going to stay there forever. Not because we want Pearson to be on third base till today on Sunday morning. But because we are convinced of better things. That life will continue on and that he will have a better opportunity. But if he's out, he's out. If he's out, he's out. And so as an excited coach, Zach pushed Pearson back onto third base. It's the closest thing we've had to a fight all season. And it was hilarious. Are we convinced of better things for ourselves and for our whole team? Are we convinced of better things? The author of Hebrews is still convinced of better things despite the hardship, despite seeing those who have been tagged out, those who have fallen away. The author of Hebrews, as inspired, writes to this group that is still holding on to the faith, even though they're maybe feeling a little shaky about it, and saying, I am convinced of better things for you, for each individual person, and for the team. I am convinced of better things. I wonder how we receive that today, if we are convinced of better things for us and for our team. Now, if we hold on to just a little bit of a note of tension here, some of us here were born into Christian families, so we kind of grew up with this all the time. Not all, but some. There is no one reading this letter for the first time who could have been born into a Christian family because Christianity was that new. There is no one who was born into this family. So for the author to use that phrase, I am convinced of better things in your case, is a reminder of why they became Christians in the first place. Not because they were born into it, but because they were convinced. They were convinced of better things. They were convinced that Christ was superior to all that they had known before. They had been convinced of better things. And now, when they're waffling, when they're drifting, when their faith is maybe at an all-time low, they are reminded that there are people who are writing letters to them who are still convinced of better things in their case for them and for their whole team. At one time, they came to Christ because they were convinced of better things. And now the call comes, stay with Christ because I am still convinced of better things for you. Convinced of better things, in, in this case, salvation. Things that have to do with salvation. That what you've done will be remembered. 
The chapter starts out with these elementary teachings, although none of this sounds that elementary to us. But it's this idea of going beyond, going further into maturity, getting beyond just the understanding of the resurrection and repentance, instructions about cleansing rites or baptism, prayer through the laying on of hands, and eternal judgment. You know, just the light stuff. But the author of Hebrews says, no, I'm convinced yet of better things that you will continue to grow into and through your faith. Convinced of better things. Things that have to do with salvation. And what I find helpful for us at all times is to remember that salvation is past, present, and future. There are past events that are done and have already occurred that are salvation. Jesus dying on the cross and rising again from the grave for our sins. Past event has occurred. That is salvation. But presently, salvation is being worked out in our own lives and in our own church, individually and as a team. And also there is a future hope spoken of here and lots of other places in the New Testament of the maturity of our faith or the end of it. Not the end of faith, but the, the victory of it is at the time of our death or when Christ returns. Salvation is past, present, and future. And here at this turning point in the book of Hebrews, we are told, you know what? I am still convinced of better things for you. I am still convinced with you that Christ has died and Christ has risen and Christ will come again. I am still convinced that salvation was for you, that God is still at work in your hearts and your lives, and I'm convinced that that's for your betterment and that there is going to be a future that is better than what you can see right now. I am convinced of better things in your case. And I wonder at different times in our life if we're convinced or if we just say, this is how life is now. I can settle for how things are. This is okay. Or are we convinced of better things? When we face different struggles, do we settle for where they are? Or do we say, I'm convinced that this isn't the end? Jesus is the author of salvation. He's also the author of our stories. Are we convinced that Christ still has more yet for us? Or is this as good as it gets? And is this where we end? I talk about the three different uh, D's of pastoral care. The news that we get, that we share as a church. Death, divorce, and diagnosis. Death brings on its own pain and grief, sometimes from natural causes, sometimes from unnatural causes. Tragic and hard all in their own ways. There's death, there's divorce, there's separation and pain. And there's the diagnosis that rocks our world that sets us back, that ruins our plans. Those are three that we can confront. Then I also think about other stuff that happens in the fabric of our relationships as a church. The things that we get to hear, the stories, the hardships that we go through, and I think these are more usually private and held on to with a few close friends. Where we hear about addiction, history of abuse, and generational trauma. And I wonder if there's times where we're not convinced of better things. And so the addictions that we have, we figure this is the only comfort I'm going to find in life. Because we're not convinced of better things. Things that lead to this fuller experience of salvation. Do we think Christ has anything better for us? Or is this as good as it gets? We have our own pain from our stories and generational trauma. That parents look around and say, man, I'm having the same relationship with my kids 
that I said I would never have because that's how my parents were with me. And here it is repeating itself. And we might say in a moment of discouragement, this is as good as it gets. In that moment, we are no longer convinced of better things. And this isn't about just our self-betterment. This is about Christ working out salvation in our present for our future. Say there is a fuller and better picture of life. So is grief very real? Is pain very real? Is trauma very real? Absolutely. Amen. Yes to all three. But that it's not the end of our story, that we want Christ's salvation to be effective even in those deepest, darkest places of pain. That salvation works itself out in past, present, and future. That we are convinced of better things. Things that have to do with salvation. And this is where we ask God to give us the strength to be convinced, to give us the openness to be convinced that there will be more to life after this. Or, well, and or, even in these moments to say, you know what? I'm not done with this yet. There's something more that God can do here. There's something greater that God can bring in. And sometimes that might just be a note of encouragement that can change the world. Hearkening back a few chapters, encourage one another daily as it is still called today. So whatever the pain it is, don't let it be the reason that we get more and more distant, that we drift away. Rather say, God, convince me of better things. Give me one small sign of hope or let me be someone else's small sign of hope that we can be convinced of better things. Things that lead to salvation. Not just the end of life salvation, but God at work in our lives, in our relationships and marriages and families and workplaces and pain and, and grief and diagnoses, even now, to be convinced of better things. Not just for us, but for our team. To be convinced that maybe we do need to be pushed back onto third base real quick a minute so that we can get our bearings, so that we can be safe for a moment and realize what all's happening around us. And then, as verse 12 sounds still kind of pushy, but very hopeful, we don't want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Don't fall asleep. Don't get lazy. Because a player who's on, the, who's on base is not getting lazy. They are actively watching and waiting for what's next. Rather say, God, show me what's next. Push me into the spot that you need me to be so that I might be ready. And not ready assuming that the next thing will be bad. Might be hard, but not bad. But to say, God, show me what's next because through your Holy Spirit, I can be convinced that better things are coming in my case and in the case of my team. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Let's pray. God, you are not unjust. And you remind us in Hebrews 6 that you will not forget our work or the love that we have shown to you as we have helped others and continue to help them. We ask that you fill us with diligence, with perseverance, that you give us healthy and helpful ways to grieve our pain, to share our losses, to grow through that which has wounded us most deeply. 
and that through it all, not on our own strength, but on yours, we might be convinced of better things. Lord, push us onto the base that we need to be on and show us what's next. And may we celebrate the ways in which you are at work, past, present, and future, for better things in our case. Amen.